Hello and welcome to Living Word Ministries. We're impacting lives and changing the world. Join us as we dive into the Word of God. Father, in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we come before your throne this morning to hear from you, not from man, but from you. And Father, this morning, I ask, oh God, that you use my vocal cords to bless your children. Not my words, but your words from the throne of grace, from the throne of mercy, from the throne of joy. That no one, oh God, under the tone of my voice would live here the same in the mighty name of Jesus. That Lord, even as you minister to others, you minister to me as well. In the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Um, I had an incident yesterday, and I don't know if I should say it now or say it at the end of service. Who wants to hear it now? Who wants to hear it at the end of service? Wow, okay. Everyone wants to hear it now. <laughs> but, but at the end? At the beginning? Whichever way... It will, no, no, still, no. It, will still be, it will still bless us no, no, because no. we have a faithful God. Amen. Right, so when I, when I need to minister, it takes me time to prepare. Um, sometimes a week, sometimes more than because every single time God adds more and adds more. And that is why when I stand here, I sometimes say that I have more notes than I can minister, Right? But when I'm ministering and God says, right, it's time, then you stop. Or there might be things that God might say, pick this and pick that while I'm ministering. So yesterday, or during the course of the week, I had a lot of things to do for a number of people. So my hands were full, practically. You know, I was filling visa forms, booking tickets, a lot of stuff. So normally the Sunday before, the Saturday before I minister, I try to stay home so that I could go over my notes, I can pray and just wait upon the Lord, which was what I did yesterday. But I was at home physically, but my mind was not at home. What do I mean by that? There was a lot of other things that I was doing that I probably sh should have packed for after today. But I felt I had to do them because of the people I was doing them for. So in the rush of all that, right, my laptop gave a notice to say there was an update on, I think it was either my Excel or my Word. And to update, you needed to restart. So I thought, okay, great. I started closing down a lot of the applications that I had open. Unbeknown to me, I hadn't saved my message. What do I do? And I was on the phone chatting to my sister. Well, when I say chatting, it was actually, it wasn't just a chat. It was an, an important issue we were dealing with. So I pr probably clicked, don't save. And boom, everything wipes up. After I caught myself, I phoned my, my, my support team, IT support team. Who knows who that is? Sam and Ann. Ann was busy. I called Sam. And Sam said, okay, why don't you do this, do this? I said, I've done all that, and I couldn't retrieve it. Now, 
You're probably going to wonder, why is this important? But you'll find out as we go along. And I said, wow. And this was about, what, 8 o'clock last night. And I thought, okay, Holy Spirit, it's me and you. Nobody else. How many of us knows that the Bible says that he will bring to our remembrance? Amen? Now, I have been praying about a certain situation in my life since the beginning of this year. Right? And last night, I said, Lord, I've been praying about this. I've been doing what I need to do about this situation. It's time for you to prove yourself. Right? So I sat down there and I started all over again. Now, there are things in the previous notes that are not here. But there are things in this notes that are not in the previous ones. But whichever way it is, you are going to be blessed today. And I am going to be blessed. Amen. So, you know, I was speaking to someone yesterday. And, you know, when I spoke to the person, the response I got was, I know. Right, those of us who have children that are knee high, right? Before you finish your statement, before you give them that instruction, what do they say? I know. I know. That word is so out there that a child that has just come out of the womb knows what they want. I know. But when you look at that word, no, what is it taken from? It's taken from knowledge. Now, we're in a generation where there's knowledge overflow, overload. I was writing down earlier on, you've got Google, you've got Twitter, you've got Facebook, you've got WhatsApp, you've got Siri, you've got Alexa, and how many more are out there? There's so much information. People don't need to actually pick up a Bible these days. You can go online. There's so much information out there. There's so much knowledge out there. And you know, even the Bible talks about it. You know, if you read the scriptures, the book of Daniel, the book of Habakkuk, um, Isaiah, Revelation, it talks about the end times, that there will be increased knowledge Concerning the glory of God. But you see, as there's knowledge pertaining to God, there's also knowledge pertaining to the world and to the system of the world. There's so much out there. So what we're going to talk about today, the focus is not going to be on knowledge. The focus is going to be on wisdom. But we can't talk about wisdom without talking about knowledge and understanding of knowledge. Amen? So, when we look at knowledge, what is it? What is knowledge? Simply put, it's just acquisition of information, isn't it? And everywhere you look, there's knowledge. Every single way. I mean, look around you. There's knowledge of one thing or another. Whether you want it or not, it's there in your face. And then you go that next step. You have an understanding. If you're interested, you go that further step. Understanding, 
What is this? What does it do? How does it apply to me as an individual? How does it apply to me as a family, as a woman, as a man, as a child, as an adult? You show that interest. Understanding, comprehension of that knowledge. You know, there's so much that is there now that I just said, no, I'm not interested. Because your brain is almost blowing up because of the amount of information that comes through the TV, through the, you know, wherever it is. All these different channels. But we're going to talk about the wisdom of God. And that wisdom is the application of knowledge. So the application of the understanding to the knowledge that you know. And of what benefit is that to us? We're going to talk about that today. Amen. So, let's take a look at some scriptures and then I'll talk. James chapter 1 verse 5. These are scriptures that we all know. We've recited it time and time again. The Bible says, if any of you, including me, lacks knowledge, lacks wisdom, apologies, you should ask who? Ask Google, Twitter, Facebook, WhatsApp. Great. Ask God. Who gives what? Generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. NLT says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. I love that one. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So basically, we can establish that God is the one that gives wisdom. Are we right about that? Amen. And I've got a scripture to back that up. It says, for the Lord giveth wisdom, Proverbs 2, 6, and out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. So that means that God is generous in giving wisdom, right? And we are not limited by the number of times that we can ask him. The Bible says his messes are new, what? Every morning. So every single morning, even during the course of the day, if we ask him for wisdom, he would not say, no, 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 I gave you yesterday, so you've used up your quota. Everything. I mean, God is interested in everything that pertains to our lives. And he loves it when we come to him. Amen. So we're not limited by the number of times that we can go to him. You know, the Bible says, ask. Up till now, you have asked nothing. Ask so well, what? Your joy will be full. Hallelujah. So why aren't we asking? Why don't we go to him? Why don't we, why, why don't we ask God for wisdom? Knowing fully well that wisdom comes from him. Why? The same reason that Jonah did not ask. You know, there were people of the world have translated knowledge into wisdom. You know, if you've got a PhD or you're very smart or you're, you've got a very good job or you're knowledgeable, they believe that it's wisdom. And laws are based on 
man's wisdom. You know, over the past week, I've been looking at certain things, and it's just been so interesting. Now, if I'm not going to say cast your mind back, because none of us were alive then, but I know that we've, a lot of us have read about Edward the, is it Edward the seventh or eighth? And Wallace, Wallace Simpson, anyway, Edward, right? Who abdicated the throne. Now, why did he abdicate the throne? She was what? Okay. So what about, our, so, so what, no, what about our new king? What about our new king? Is he not a divorcee? Right. So what, what did they do? They changed the law to suit him. Right? Man-made laws. The traditions of men. Way back, way back, could women in this country rule? Monarchy? When was this changed? 2013. This was changed. Man-made laws. You know the word of God. The Bible says it's the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. It's stable. It is set in stone. Just a few years ago, 1936, 1937, the law was there. And someone had to abdicate because he was in love. He had to choose. But just a few years down the line, that law has changed. How, I mean, these are the laws that we see and we know about. There are so many behind the scenes that have not been spoken about. Even in the government. During COVID, during the expenses scandal, there were a lot of laws that were changed. People who are privy to the government would know these things. I'm sure it happens in Nigeria. I'm sure it happens in Ghana. Just to favor certain people. What am I saying here? The wisdom of God. The wisdom of man. You see, we think knowledge and the laws of the land, people have wisdom. Oh, that's the way it's been done. Oh, that's the way we do it. Now, do we ever go back to God and say, how would you like me to do it? You know, I've always said something. The fact that 99% or 99.9% of the population do something does not, one, make it right. Two, does not mean that's the way God wants you to do it. Why are we disappointed? Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. You see, when we don't consult God, when we don't ask God, we will be unhappy, we will be disappointed, we will be stressed. There are so many things that I've done, and I'm like, God, why has it happened? And God said, you've not asked me. And I've had to own up to my errors. Because if God is in the driving seat of your life, all shall be well. 
But oftentimes, it's easier for us to do things our way. It's quicker. We don't want to wait. Because the waiting takes time. The waiting is the time of pruning. We don't want to wait. You see, a lot of people know God exists. Isn't that true? Right? And a lot of people have the understanding that God sent Jesus Christ into the world to seek and to save the lost. Right? So, my question is, why have they never put that information to action? I know. I know there's a God. I know there's a supreme being. And I know that if I don't give my life to Christ, I will go to hell. But I'm still happy living in sin. I'm still happy doing what I do. So knowledge, you know, people say knowledge is power. How many people believe knowledge is power? You do? Do you? You do? Okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. I opinions, right? I personally do not believe. I do not. No, 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 no. That's fine. <laughs> I personally don't believe that knowledge is power until there is an application. If you do, ah, you know God exists. You know the consequences of not trusting and accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you still sit where you are. As for me, I'm sitting here. Maybe, just maybe, at the 99th minute, maybe I would accept him as Lord and Savior. But for now, if you do not apply, you know when the Bible says, and you shall know the truth, it is the truth that you know that you apply that will set you free. If you don't apply it, you are as good as not knowing it at all. Yes, Stephen. Okay. Application. Hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, yeah. Okay. I see. I see. I see. I see both points here. So, you you can have wisdom, but you need the knowledge, right? You can have knowledge, but you need the wisdom. Is that it? Great. Okay, so we, 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 we're good now. Exactly. So it's just important. But the question still remains. Whose report are you believing? Whose wisdom are you following? You know, there are so many things. And, you know, I cast my mind back to certain situations that we do and certain things that we do as human beings, even as believers, and it has become law. But they're the laws of men. 
There's the laws of men. Now, I've asked my siblings and I've asked a few people that, you know, when someone passes away, in the Bible times, there were no mortuaries. How did the Jews bury? Pardon? But immediately. And that's what the Muslims follow. Now, I've found something that, you know what, I'm not against any, I'm just trying, I mean, this is for my benefit and things that I've um, read about or investigated or, you know, asked for God's wisdom. Now, I find that, especially in Nigeria, I don't know if it happens in Ghana, that the longer you leave your loved one to be buried, the more expensive it becomes. Because people take advantage. Now, when Lazarus passed on, he was buried immediately. The Jews still do it. The Muslims do it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Up till now. So I'm just saying that I use this as an example, but there's so many others where we, we, we stand on the fact that this is how it's been done. This is how it, it, it's been done. But we never go to God and say, how would you want me to do it? You see, everything we do in life, our purpose should be to glorify God. You find some ministers would, you know, they'll get a hanky and they'll use that too. And then the next thing you know, all the ministers are looking for a hanky. Oh, because it worked for Pastor So-So-So. Does that mean it will work for you? No. Salvation is individual. So it's important that we ask for the wisdom of God. <laughs> Man will tell you, hey, do me, I do you. God no vex. But is that what the scripture says? And they will tell you, hey, after all, it's karma. But God's saying to us, love. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. But it's, and that's quite hard to do, isn't it? But there's rewards. Because we're showing forth the love of God. You know, <laughs> years ago, I used to, I, 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 you know, when you, you don't understand the scripture. When it says, when your enemy is hungry, feed them. By so doing, you're heaping coals of fire upon their head. Do you know what I used to think? I used to think, wow, when I do good, they, ah, the head will burn. <laughs> Ignorance of the word. But what that basically means is that by you doing good, you know, they have a change of heart. They feel the love of God through you. And by doing so, you win a brother. You win a sister to the kingdom of God. The wisdom of God. You know, there's, um, you know, the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded, you know, their eyes. And that's why the scripture tells us, it says the wisdom of man is what? Is foolishness. So the wisest person, the one that feels he's the wisest person on planet earth in the sight of God is still foolish. And to each one of us, if we're not 
calling upon the wisdom of God, it, it, it amounts to nothing. We need to ask God, what do I do in this situation? I have been burnt time and time and time again. You know, <laughs> you know, someone will come to me, oh, can you lend me this? Oh, can you do this for me? Oh, can you do that? And you know, out of a heart of compassion, broom, you just do it. Right? And then you're waiting one year, two years. Uh -uh, where is that my money now? Eh? The money that you were supposed to get back a month ago. Eh? Two months after. And I've had to keep asking God, God, how do I navigate this area? Especially when you have, and you know, I read the scriptures. I know. The Bible says whatever you cannot give away, don't lend it out. But I still fall into that pit time and time again. The wisdom of God. And there's, there's always an answer. There's always an answer for us. And that's why the Bible says wisdom is what? The principal thing. In all you're getting, it says, therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. It doesn't say knowledge is the principal thing. It doesn't say understanding is the principal thing. It says wisdom is the principal thing. So the application of that knowledge, the application of that understanding is wisdom. You know, we know about Solomon, the wisest man that lived. And God said it. Before you, there, would be, there was none. And after you, there wouldn't be any. Solomon asked for insight into how to rule the people. And you know, I just say God has a real, he has a sense of humor. There was a time I, I was praying. I said, Lord, I need to forgive this person. I need to forgive that person. And you know what? When you say you need to forgive someone, right, what would God do? God will make sure that you have an interaction with that person. You have a chance to prove. Have you really forgiven? Or are you just saying you've forgiven? And this happened to me. I mean, this was years and years ago, right? <laughs> and the minute I saw the person, my heart just go, wah! And I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> you see? And God says, okay, you know what? We'll take this one step further. Make sure you buy a present for the person. I'm like, like really, Lord? Like, really? But you see, God knows how to walk us through certain situations. It's not for the benefit of that person. It's for my benefit. Because I'm the one who is... Aggrieved. I'm the one who is upset. I'm the one who is hurt. Maybe that person doesn't even know that they've upset me the way I feel they have. So God's wanting us to have peace. And that's why every situation we need to put back into the hands of God. God is our manual for life. Amen. So when we look at the life of Solomon... God gave him what he asked for. But in those same scriptures, what happens? 
God gives him an opportunity to test that wisdom. Where you had two women of the street, we know that account, that had babies and they slept and one lay laid over her, her child and the child died and the other swapped the child. What did Solomon say? Being a sword. Now, in the natural, does that make sense? It doesn't. And I say this to say that in the natural, the wisdom of God would not make sense in a lot of situations. Why are you doing what you're doing? I don't know. But that's what God wants me to do. I'll share with you what happened to me last, last week. What? Last week? Week before? <laughs> you know, uh, when I went to pick um, Pastor Fola from the airport, and we were coming, um, coming to the church, the Lord ministered to me. He says, well, on Friday, I was meant to be officiating at a wedding. Now, I was only meant to be doing one part, which was the sermon, right? Fifteen minutes. Right? Which I'd done before, praise God. So I thought, okay, great. Even though, I mean, it was a different sermon. I'd prepared, gone through it in my sleep, in my waking, gone through, I was fine. And then the Lord said to me, I want you to prepare for the whole sermon, um, for the whole ceremony. And I thought, what? Nah. But you see, I'm learning to understand God a lot more. And that was on the Sunday. On the Monday, I heard that voice again. Prepare for the whole ceremony. And I thought, okay. I prepared, you know, I started preparing. Started looking at bits and pieces, putting it together. Now, on Thursday, the wedding was on Friday. On Thursday, I went to the church. Because one, I wanted to meet the vicar. And then two, I wanted to pray around that area which is something I'll do every, if I have that opportunity. So I did that. And I, as I got to the church, you know, the vicar introduced himself to me. I, you know, we exchanged pleasantries. Uh, and he goes, oh, this is the information for tomorrow. I said, oh, great, thanks. Um, I said, you know, I'm just doing the sermon. Oh, no, 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 you can do the whole thing. This was at 9, about 8.30, 9 o'clock at night on Thursday night. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you see, this is why I asked you to prepare. And I thought, wow. Now, I looked at what he'd given me. I looked at what I'd got. And he says, oh, no, 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 you don't actually need to use my notes. You can just use yours. Praise God. Oh, but the couple would want to do that bit and that bit and that bit. So I said to him, okay, do you have a soft copy? Oh, no, 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 no. That's the only copy I've got. I've got, um, my printer got spoiled. And, I've, and that copy had been written all over. And I thought, Lord, have mercy on me. The long and short of it was, I was up till about 3 a.m., right? On m Friday morning. And I was going through it because I had to retype, include his in mine, and bit cut here, cut there, just to make sure that everything went now, <laughs> on Friday, I had a cup of coffee and that was it. I could not eat. Because one, I was nervous. I've never done this before. And I was praying, Lord, if you would not go with me, 
I cannot do this. Now, by God's grace, you know, everything went well. But I say this to say that when God speaks to us, it's important that we adhere. Can you just imagine if I just ignored it and said, uh-uh, Vika would do it. Now, 80% or 90%, would you say 90% of the ceremony I took? The vicar did the opening welcome and prayer, did the, uh, some prayers at the end, and that was it. I'd never done any of the other bits before. It was my first time. But you know, I give glory to God. But it's also about listening to the voice of God. I had the knowledge. I had some understanding, but that was the time now. Come and apply it. So, when Solomon said, bring a sword, it did not make sense to anyone. But as he put that sword up, we knew, or we know from, this, from the account that the real mother, you see, this will pull at the heart of anyone. Say, so, leave the child. She can have the child if she believes that's her child. After all, that child will grow up. Why should we kill two children when one has a chance of survival? You see, wisdom was speaking through that woman. And the same wisdom that spoke through that woman is the same wisdom that could speak, that would speak through each and every one of us. It's that same wisdom that the friends had when they took their ill friend to go and receive, wow, they, they, what did they do? They cut through a roof so that they can lure the friend in front of Jesus Christ to be healed. That had never been done. At least there was no account of that. And there's never been an account of that. It was wisdom that made Jesus take the blind man out of the village to go and heal him. And you see, sometimes as believers, we box Jesus up. We box God up. This is how he does it. Because he has done it that certain way. But God can never be boxed up. Like I said earlier on, our relationship with God is individual. What he would do for one person is not the same way he would do it for somebody else. And that is why we need to have that one-on-one relationship. Hallelujah. You see, wisdom will turn a, a lethal situation into calmness. God, how do I deal with this? In such a way that they will be blessed, I will be blessed. Wisdom was what made Paul and Silas sing when they were in shackles in a prison. Who sings unto the Lord when they're in prison? It has to be Paul and Silas. It was wisdom. Because if they weren't singing, what would they be doing? The enemy would probably have been relaying also, oh, maybe it's this you did. Oh, maybe it's that you did. Oh, you're paying for your sins. So they lifted up praises unto the Lord. And the blessings came down. Wisdom was what kept Ruth close to her mother-in-law. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to leave you. 
Where you go, I would go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And we know how that story ends. God blessed her with our Boaz. Amen. And you see, the thing is, you don't have to be someone who's got, um, how do I put it? Um, someone who's got worldly knowledge, if I put it that way. You need the knowledge and the wisdom of the Almighty God. You know, I remember in Scripture, there was a man by the name Naaman. Now, what does the Bible say about him? He was a great man. He was well respected. He was a valiant soldier. But there was a but in his life. What was that but? He had leprosy. But I also say that I don't think he had much wisdom. And why did I say that? It took a nameless servant. Thank God for her. It took a nameless servant to encourage him to go and see the man of God. If only my master would go and see the man of God, he would be healed of his leprosy. And we know how the story pans out. Even when he got there, he says, why can't he come out and see me? Why does he have to send me a message? Go and dip in the, in the, in the sea seven times, in the Jordan seven times. Why can't he come out? And he was told, if God's asking you to just do it. And we know that after he grudgingly obeyed, the Bible says he was healed of his leprosy and his body was like that of a newborn baby. The wisdom of God. So it's just so important that every area of our lives, we ask God, God, what would you have me do? You see, if we would involve God more in our lives, we'll be happier. We'll be more content. We'll be less stressed. We'll be less disappointed. You know, the Bible says wisdom is what? It's profitable to instruct. It doesn't say knowledge is profitable to instruct. It doesn't say understanding is profitable to instruct. It says wisdom is profitable to instruct. Why? Because wisdom looks at every angle. It directs us in the best, make it, to make the best decision. And it helps us to avoid pitfalls. Hallelujah. You see, with God's wisdom, we cannot fail. We can never, never fail. You know, we sing that song, Nothing I Desire Compares to God. So what is the world, what in the world is more important than God? Nothing. Nothing in the world. You know, Apostle Paul was talking to the Galatians, and I think he was, I, he was quite hurt. Because when I read this, I'm thinking, boy, 
he's really giving it to them. He says, Galatians chapter 3. He says, oh, foolish Galatians. You know, I looked for a word <laughs> from other versions that, to, to avoid using that word foolish. Because to me, it seemed like it was very insulting. But I think he really wanted them to understand, you know, the, the depth of what they were doing. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? It says, for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you have seen a picture of his death on the cross. He says, let me ask you one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you've heard about Christ. It says, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, you are now trying to become perfect by your own human effort, your own, your own human knowledge, your own human understanding. He says, have you experienced so much for nothing? So basically, he's saying to them, you have come this far. Don't allow the systems, the cultures, the traditions of the world to pull you back. We're meant to be moving forward. Moving forward with God. Moving forward with Christ. He says, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and walk amongst you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe in the message you have heard about Christ. And each one of us have heard the message about Christ. And we continue to hear the message about Christ. So today as I, as I round up, there's a clip that I want us to watch. I don't know if it's available. You know, one of the best books that I believe and I, I stand corrected, that we can read and study to help us apply wisdom is the book of Proverbs. There's a reason why Solomon wrote it. Well, he didn't write everything. He wrote most of it. So I encourage us, let us spend time. Was it last year that we did it or year before? I can't remember now. COVID, my goodness. Right? It was the year before. Right? That we took, we, we as a church, we as a family went through it. Let us spend time. Let us do it individually. And maybe we'll look at doing it again as a family. Because there's so much nuggets in it. There's instructions. Instructions from a father to the son. Instructions from the mom to the, to the children. Instructions for young, for the old. Instructions to live every part of our lives. Instructions on how to avoid pitfalls in our lives. And I came across this clip, which I, you know, if we can watch, it just gives us an overview on the book of the book of Proverbs. Amen. Let's watch that quickly. The book of Proverbs, 
The word proverb typically refers to a short, clever saying that offers some kind of wisdom, and this book has a lot of those. But they're almost all in the center section of the book, chapters 10 to 29. But there is way more going on in the book of Proverbs, especially at the beginning, chapters 1 through 9, and the conclusion, chapters 30 and 31. The book's been designed with an introduction, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and it first of all links this book to King Solomon. Now remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon had asked God for wisdom to lead Israel well, and so Solomon became known as the wisest man in the ancient world, and we're told in 1 Kings chapter 4 that he wrote thousands of proverbs and poems and collected knowledge about plants and animals. So Solomon was like the fountainhead of Israel's wisdom literature. So while not all the material in this book is written by him personally, he is where Israel's wisdom tradition begins. The introduction says that by reading this book, you too can gain wisdom. Now wisdom for most of us means knowledge, but the Hebrew word chokhmah means much more than just mental activity. It refers to action also. So think skill or applied knowledge. This is why back in the book of Exodus, chapter 31, it was artists and craftsmen in Israel who were said to have chokhmah. So the purpose of this book is to help you develop a set of practical skills for living well in God's world. And this gets linked with another key idea in the introduction, the fear of the Lord. Now fear here is not about terror. It's about a healthy sense of reverence and awe for God and about my place in the universe. It's a moral mindset that recognizes I am not God and that I don't get to make up my own definitions of good and evil and right and wrong. Rather, I need to humble myself before God and embrace God's definition of right and wrong, even when that's inconvenient for me. Now, this introduction leads us into the first main section of the book, chapters 1 through 9, which also doesn't contain short one-liner proverbs. Rather, what we find here are ten speeches from a father to a son about how the son should listen to wisdom and cultivate the fear of the Lord and live accordingly, which means a life of virtue and integrity and generosity, all of which lead to success and peace. And the father warns his son also about folly and evil and stupid decisions that will breed selfishness and pride, all leading to ruin and shame. And so the son should make the pursuit of wisdom and the fear of the Lord his highest goal in life. And this way of thinking, it forms the moral logic of this entire book. Now, these speeches from the Father also clue us into what biblical wisdom literature is and how it's different from other parts of the Bible. These books explore how to live well in God's world, but wisdom is not the same as law, like what Moses gave Israel at Mount Sinai. And it's not the same as prophecy, divine speech to God's people. Rather, wisdom literature has the accumulated insight of God's people through the generations about how to live in a way that honors God and others. And so, through the book of Proverbs now, these human words about wisdom have been put together as God's word and wisdom to his people, which connects to the other thing you find in chapters 1 through 9. There are four poems from Lady Wisdom. Here, wisdom has been poetically personified as a woman who calls out to humanity to pay attention and to seek her. Wisdom says that she is woven into the fabric of the universe, and so wherever you see people making wise decisions, they are relying on her. So you see someone being generous or having sexual integrity or upholding justice. They are drawing on wisdom. 
these Lady Wisdom poems, they're a creative, poetic way of exploring this idea that we live in God's moral universe and that goodness and justice are objective realities that we ignore to our own peril. And so fearing the Lord, living wisely, it's living along the grain of the universe. Now together, these two sets of speeches from the Father and Lady Wisdom, they make a powerful claim about this book, that you're not simply reading good advice, you're reading God's own invitation to learn wisdom from previous generations. And so in the next section of the book, chapters 10 through 29, we find hundreds of ancient proverbs, and they apply wisdom and the fear of the Lord to every life topic you could imagine. Family, work, neighborhood, friendship, sex, marriage, money, anger, forgiveness, alcohol, debt, everything. And these are all filtered through the value system of Proverbs 1 through 9. Now, these Proverbs, they're all pretty short. They're easy to memorize. And actually, this section of the book is meant to become a reference work that you return to time and time again throughout the years, which raises some important issues in learning how to read these Proverbs. First of all, Proverbs are by nature about probabilities. So you fear the Lord and you make wise, good choices things will likely go well for you. And if you don't fear the Lord, you're foolish, your life will likely not go so well. Now, that is all often true, but not always. Which leads to the next point, that Proverbs are not promises. They're not formulas for success. So, some Proverbs, for example. The fear of the Lord prolongs your life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Or, Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. So yes, fearing God, being a moral person, will most likely lead to a better, longer life, and raising your kids in a stable, loving home does set them up well, but there are no guarantees. Lots of things can and often do go wrong in our world. And so lastly, Proverbs by nature Focus on the general rule, but not the exceptions, which are many. And the wisdom books actually aren't ignorant of that. The exceptions are what the other wisdom books, Job and Ecclesiastes, are all about. And together, these acknowledge that life is too complex for simple formulas, which is why we need all of the wisdom books together to get the bigger picture. This all leads to the final section of the book, two large collections of poems. First, poems from a man named Agur who begins by acknowledging his own ignorance and folly and his great need for God's wisdom. And then Agur discovers that divine wisdom has been given to him in the scriptures, which teach him how to live well. And so Agur is put before us as like a model reader of the book of Proverbs, somebody who's always open to hearing God's wisdom through the scriptures. The final poems are connected to a man named Lemuel. He's a non-Israelite king. And he passes on the wisdom that was given to him by his mom. It's guidance for being a wise and just leader. And then the final poem is an acrostic or an alphabet poem where each line begins with a new letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the entire poem's about the woman of noble character. It depicts a woman who lives according to the wisdom of Proverbs and stands like a model of someone who takes God's wisdom and then translates it into practical decisions in everyday life at work or at home, in her family, and in her community. So the book opened with words from a father to a son about listening to Lady Wisdom, and so now the book closes by offering the words of a mother to her son about a woman who lives wisely.
The book of Proverbs is for every person in every season of life. It's a guide for living wisely and well in God's good world. And that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So basically, we, we've heard it. And I'm going to close with um, this scripture, which is, well, become my favorite scripture. And that's from the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, in the message. It says, place your life before God. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. It says readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops a well-formed maturity in you. Amen. Amen. Um, there was a clip someone sent me this morning, which is quite appropriate. It says, put, your, put God in the driver's seat of your life, because anything under his control can never be out of control. Amen. God bless you. If you were blessed by today's message, why not share it with a loved one? And as always, stay connected by visiting our website at www.lwmi.org.uk. We hope you were blessed.